Father, we just come to you, Lord, and we plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over our lives. We come, Father, expecting to hear from you, my God. Lord, we ask for clean hands and a pure heart, my God. Cleanse this heart. Cleanse the mind. Father, forgive me, Lord, as I speak. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Lord, you increase. Well, I decrease, my God. Pray the anointing. Rest upon the speaker and the hearers of the word. I pray, Father. Lord, this is a youth meeting. But every one of us, my God, are your children. And you said, come like childlike faith to me. So we come today. We may not be teenagers. We may not be, oh, Father, young adults. But, Father, we are your children. And all our children are thought of the Lord and great shall be the peace of our children. And Father, we can all say, we once were blind, but now we see. We once were lost, but now we're found. And Father, <clears throat> I pray today that you will touch every heart here, my God. I speak healing into Pastor Vijay's body right now in the name of Jesus. I come against this headache, the sunstroke, whatever it is that's attacking him. Come against it today in the name of Jesus. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the healer. You are the balm of Gilead. And I pray today that your balm flow and heal his body today in Jesus' name. Father, I'm sure all of us would rather just lay down today and read a book or watch TV. But Lord, we came. We came to hear from God. We came and we are, we are enduring and we are fighting this good fight. The spirit is willing but the flesh is so weak, my God. We are weak, weak vessels, my God. Absolutely weak, my God. We can do nothing without you. Absolutely nothing without you. Without your grace, without your power, without you empowering us, we can do nothing today. We acknowledge we need you. We need you, my God. The third month of the year we are here. And we know, we know it's not by accident. There are no coincidences in your kingdom, my God. Everything is ordained, planned by you. Some of us had to be forcefully sent here. Some of us would rather stay home. But Father, no matter what, it was ordained by you. And today we come. Speak to us, Father. Speak to us. Lord, let your anointing rest upon this frail body, my God. And Lord, you speak through me that the unction of the Holy Spirit speak, my God. We thank you today. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 This is endurance, okay? This is again another chapter of Charles Stanley's book, okay? Which I really, really enjoy. Second Timothy, go through the chapter 2, verses 5. And 6, then verses 8, verses 10, verses 12. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be first made first to partake of the crops. Verse 8 says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Therefore, 10, verse 10, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. 
if we deny him, he also will deny us. I mean, I'm sure we've heard, read this and we've heard this, right? <laughs> Vijay always talks about the athletes, you know, the cricket players or whatever. He names some of them. Pastor also talks about, well, I don't know, all these great, these old cricketers and how they, they practice. They, every day, they're so disciplined. They wake up, they run, they jog. Some of them jog five miles. Some of them have to, you know, we, they, they're such disciplined. And Paul compares them, compares endurance to the athletes. Am I right? Yes, he is, right? So he's, here he says in the commentary, he says, Paul uses several word pictures in this chapter to illustrate and encourage endurance. He refers to a soldier who doesn't yell, I surrender, in the foxhole. He withstands the hardship, the rain, the cold, and the dreadful fear of the enemy because of his commitment to the people he is fighting for. To the side over here it says, Endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but it turn it into glory. Hallelujah. He is single-minded. The Bible says he doesn't get entangled in everyday life because a good soldier can't bother himself with trivial things. Trivial things means like petty things, okay, for those who don't know what trivia is. Okay, it's like petty stuff. We women are good at that. We like to bring up trivia stuff. In other words, he travels light, which I always travel very heavy, small rations, few letters from home, filthy clothing, unshaved, matted hair, seeing the bigger picture the soldier endures. From there, Paul directs his audience attention to the field of athletics. When the 1996 Olympics came to Atlanta, there were gigantic preparations in every sphere of the city's life. But our preparation as a city was nothing compared to the preparation of the athletes. Some had been in training since they were very young. Their families spent vast sums of money for their training. Parents arose early to get their children to the gym before daybreak. Some athletes left home for better training. Their eating was re regimented. Their sleeping was regimented. Their socializing was regimented. And their bodies were whipped into shape on a daily basis so that they could perform to the highest capacity. Athletes live, eat, and sleep their chosen sport. What we see at the Olympics is just a fraction of the endurance they demonstrate. I believe that is one reason the Olympic, Olympics hold such charm for the world. The competition is the ultimate in discipline and endurance. Then Paul, then Paul changed the nature of his illustrations when he refers to farmers. Farmers endure in a different way from that of soldiers and athletes. Farmers are forced oftentimes to endure disappointment. Ever so, every so often during floods or drought, we'll see a farmer survey his ruined crops. Like Pastor was saying, some farmers commit suicide in India because they don't know their God. They don't know the God we serve. But very few will say, this land has been in my family for 100 years, but I can't go on. The majority endure. They scrimp and save and figure out a way to feed the family until the next harvest. Spring comes and they till the soil that they love so much. They do it with no guarantee that there will be no more floods or parched land again. They do it out of determination because they are farmers and this is their job and they endure. Like the soldier, we are, sing are we single-minded and unentangled so we can fight to the end? Like the athlete, do we know anything about daily discipline so that we can compete and not give up before the finish line? Like the farmer, do we not give up after a huge setback because we know that we are called to do and we press on till harvest? How's our endurance? From, from January to March, how many of us can actually say we have endured? We have been disciplined. We have fought this good fight. Let's like just say from Jan to this today. How many of us can actually say we woke up in the morning and we said, thank you, Jesus, for waking me up? How many of us can actually say when we went to bed, we went to bed so tired that we forgot to thank him, not knowing if we'd wake up the next day? How many of us can actually say that, okay, we had exams, we have, like some of you are still having exams. Jyoti and John are doing their, also their MSET, their NEET, Johan. 
so many, you achieve all of them, all of them, doing exams and you're doing well and studying for something. So you're like disciplined. But I asked Jyoti a question this morning. I put her on the spot today. I asked her, I said, Jyoti, when you wake up and you take your, 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 book, your books to study, I asked her, because I was praying for her and John and a few other kids today, and I was like, the first thing the Lord asked me when I was reading this and I was meditating, how many of them give me glory first before they study? Or do they give their studies and their books their glory? How many? How many of you wake up thinking, oh God, I got this exam in a couple of hours. Some of you go to work, I got to get ready. I'll pray in the car. I'll listen to a message in the car. Thank you, Jesus, and you go. And you're in the car, and you're in the cab, or whoever, however. You're in the bus, and then the crisis hits. And then you say, God doesn't love me. God doesn't understand. Why did it happen to me? Why why me? I didn't do anything. I don't harm people. I don't hurt people. But why me? And I'll say this. When you are in a dry, dry, absolutely dry, dead spirit, when you're going through that dryness in your life, in your spirit, man, you will never be able to endure. You will so easily give up. Because you have nothing to fight that. The pastor always tells us this. You have to be filled every day to endure. Some of you don't have issues. I mean, honestly speaking, you don't have issues. Because what, what are, you don't have responsibilities. Your responsibility is to wake up, get dressed, clothe yourself, whatever, whatever. Get ready. You don't have like your, your set pattern. And you go to school. But what if now you're in this kind of world? What if tomorrow there was a shooting in your, in your school, just hypothetically, and some of you don't even make it? Think about this scenario. It happens in all the schools and everywhere else. God's mercy spares us. But just what if? What if there was a fire in the building? Just think about this for a minute. Just think for a second. What if there was a fire in your building and you all were there, right there? And you're running, whatever. And of course, lots of people will say, Oh God, oh God, oh God. No, then God come. Oh Jesus, Jesus, however. No? And what if you had to go and pick up a body in front of one of your brothers or sisters? Would you endure? Would you pass out? Would you be frantic? Would you be able to move? Would you be able to fight the good fight? Would you be able to get, the next, get up the next day and say, I'm going to fight this, I'm going to fight this good fight? I'm going to endure. If you're not disciplined now, and if you're not in a position now to discipline and put God first, you cannot. You cannot. You cannot make it. I'm telling you honestly, I keep telling you this, you have to pray in the morning before anything else. You have to be disciplined in, that, in your prayer life. You have to be. You have, just have to be disciplined. God must come first. Soon as you get up and you open your eyes, you say, Lord, I thank you. I woke, I opened my eyes this morning. I thank you. I thank you. I'm not saying you have to say long drawn prayers. I'm just saying, just say thank you. How will you endure, endure if you don't, if you're not disciplined enough and you don't practice? You don't practice praying. You don't practice enduring. You don't practice going through some, I mean, any little thing, any little thing. For instance, I, I'll, I'll say this. We go back years when Grace Shelter was all these guys, 500 guys surrounded Grace Shelter and we told y'all stay in and, and whatever and however. Three, four years ago we go back when we were in the old Grace Shelter and that incident took place. And all of you were there. And all of you were in panic mode. In panic mode. Okay, y'all were younger. Three, four years ago, y'all were younger. But how many of you actually thought, let's just get together and pray? It can happen. We're in the last days. It can happen again. It can happen. Tomorrow is not promised. Did you, you, everybody goes into panic mode. What do we do? What do we do? Could you actually say, let me, you know, could you actually say, you know, let's grab each other's hands and let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Let's, you know, let's just, just bind these spirits. Let's, everybody was in panic. They're asking questions. 
there. Okay, I understand. I'm not saying I understand. But what I'm saying is if you don't practice now to endure, and if you're not disciplined, you I'm telling you honestly, you will fail. You will either backslide, or you won't even backslide. You just give up God. You'll go your own way. Because the world would be easier. I tell you all every day. I've been telling you all for 10 years. Or 9 years that I've known you guys. In 10 years I've been here. I've been saying, pray. Remember the years, some of you, when you all used to just hold hands and pray. Remember those years? Honestly, honestly. Do you all remember those years? Mary, remember those years? Sarah, Hepzibah. You do? You do? John, you remember those years? Well, you all just prayed like parrots. Naresh, remember those years? Did anything have any meaning when you all prayed, when you all prayed those prayers? Honestly speaking, did it? Did it? Did it? So how many years have you been praying for the ones who have been with me for nine years? Tarun, did it have any meaning when you were praying? Does it have any meaning now when you go to God alone and you ask Him and you talk to Him? Does it? Does it help? Does it, uh, does it help now? Would you say yes? No? Does it? It does. My question to you guys, and I'm putting you guys because I'm talking to my children here. It's like, if you don't go to God with that open heart, I'm telling you, I'm telling you today, it will not work. Children, wake up. Wake up. Start praying more. Start thanking God more. Young adults that are here today, we are so, so, so caught up with self. We're so caught up with self that we forget to pray. Sister Pastor Vijay was saying, Sister, also we need to pray more. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, but bring them together. Let them come and say, we need to pray, we need to pray. Why should I tell you, call Pastor Vijay and ask him for prayer? You must want prayer. You must think you need prayer. Why should I be the one saying, call? Why can't it come naturally? Why can't you just pick up the phone? And before you even pick up the phone, you should go to the throne first, to your God alone, one-on-one, in the closet, and say, you know what, Lord? Just touch me today. I need it. I need your touch today, Lord. Or wake up with a song on your heart. Sing a song to God. Praise Him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him with something. You know, I'll tell you this. As Catholics, we woke up, we had to kneel down. We had to kneel down. As soon as I got off my bed, my my mother would come like the, like the sergeant and watch all of us. We all had to kneel as, as Catholics. We couldn't get out. So we knelt down and we said, our father, da, 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 and we had to get up. Okay, we knelt every morning. I can remember from the age of two, I knelt down like that. From the age of two, I was taught to kneel. I don't have a problem going on my knees. I don't. From the age of two, we were, we, I had to kneel down. And my father would come around, look, for the younger ones, my father would come. My mother would go to the boys. My father would come to the girls. He said, yeah, now, now let's pray. And he, he would stand, and he was, and he was Pentecostal. And he would stand and pray. And we would hear him. We would put on the intercom and we had to hear him pray. Till I was 10, till he passed away. But I'm telling you, we have to pray. Of course, I was praying to a dead God. But it, did it come natural now? Yes. Some of you were raised Christians. What went wrong? Why is it that prayer has become such an issue? Such a, such, my God, it's like a chore. It's like so hard to pray. It's so hard to, to talk to God. Why? Why? Why is it so tough? How will you endure? Take a look at him. He says, take a closer look. You may say my life is more complicated than that of a soldier or an athlete or a farmer. It's not at all as simple as you make it sound. You're right. Life is not simple. There are many bumps and turns in the way. The rat race is real. The battle's continuous. And the painful experiences are piercing. But our environment doesn't determine our endurance. In Hebrews 12, 1, the writer begins, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
what does that verse have to do with endurance? When we look at why the therefore is there, the writer directs us back to chapter 11. Chapter 11 of Hebrews is populated with people who endured. You may say, well, sure they endured. I mean, look how their story turned out. Well, they didn't know how their story was going to turn out. And you don't know how yours is going to turn out, or going to end either. William Carey, when asked the reasons for his success as a missionary, he replied, I can plod. What is to plod? It's to walk slow and steadfast. Like in mud, right? I mean, you're, you're, it's like it's, you're trudging along, basically. You say, I'm trudging along. I can plod. I can trudge. You know, you walk. I mean, like if you're like, you're, it's wet mud and you're plodding. You're plodding because it's slow steps. So he says, I can plod. I can take the slow steps of endurance. Slow steps. A young man who is now a pastor had to memorize the entire chapters of Hebrew 11 in the fifth grade. Of course, when ch children learn large portions of scripture, so their parents who are probably, who are helping. His mother says that exercise was probably one of the most important parts of his entire education. Although he went all the way through seminary, he committed to memorize their, this repertoire of godly people who endured. They seemed like his friends. When he was going through a rough time in his ministry, the Lord reminded him of these great people of faith who endured. What is involved in endurance? Endurance involves encouragement from others. That is why the writer of Hebrews encourages us to look at others in Hebrews 11. He refers to the cloud of witnesses. The children of Israel had a literal cloud to guide them. Our cloud of witnesses from the word of God includes people we cannot see, but we can read about them and glean from their endurance. I really hope that you have a visible group of encouragers in your life. I believe everyone needs someone to say, you're doing fantastic, or I'm praying for you. We all need someone who will cheer us on. I know some people will gloat over your failures. What is gloat? To be happy. To be happy that, you know, whatever. Some people, when you fail, they're happy, they smile, they gloat. Okay? So, may God, in His grace, raise up those who will rejoice with you in your victories and weep with you when you weep. That's encouragement. Akiba, pay attention. <clears throat> when I look back at the unseen cloud of witnesses, I think of Joseph, who endured though life was so unfair. I think of David, who endured though he was so lonely. And Moses, who took no shortcuts through the land with the grumbling people. I think of Peter, stumbling and falling, stumbling and falling, and getting up again and again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We can say, God, if they endured, so can I, because you love me just as much as you love them. One encourager in my young life was my grandfather, although I spent little time with him. Once he said to me, Charles, obey God and leave the consequences to him. <coughs> I have never forgotten that. That statement from an encourager has sustained me through many battles. We are fellow runners in this race. The Bible says this cloud of witnesses surrounds us. I hope you are surrounded by encouragers, those who cheer you from the grandstands or run beside you. Endurance involves laying aside anything and everything that hinders. Let us, let, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. How do we lay aside things that slow us down in the race so that we can endure? First, we need to identify the hindrances. But what is a hindrance for one person might not be to another? The same weight that keeps the scuba diver under the water are the same weights that wreck havoc for a runner. You need to identify your weights, the things that slow you in your race. You need to identify the things that make you want to quit. Or at least not run as fast. Second, we need to lay aside the sin who slow easily ensnares us. What is the difference between a sin and a weight? Sin is a very specific disobedience. A weight or an encumbrance is more subtle, not as easy to see. Hallelujah. Notice, the word sin is singular. Satan knows which sin will throw each of us off, of course. 
we generally hear that referred to as a besetting sin. It's the sin you deal with habitually. It's the sin that you thought you had conquered and then it raised its ugly head in an unexpected place. William Booth says, While women weep, as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry, as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison, in and out, in and out, and they do, now I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl upon the street, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight to the very end. We will fight, children, we will fight. We will fight this fight. We will fight it. We will not allow each other to go down into a pit. We will fight. We will pray you out of it. We will pray. We will have that, that, I want to say positive vibe, but I want to say we will have the word of God in our hearts that we will speak the word into your life, into your dry bones when you're going through something. We will, we will be there for each other. We will, we will fight. We have to be so, so alert in the last days. When, when you see somebody and you notice, even if, like, for instance, I'll give an example, when your brother or your sister is falling asleep in church, don't laugh. Don't laugh. And I'll tell you why you don't laugh. You know why you don't laugh? Because what you're doing is you're laughing at the preacher and the word of God. You're mocking God. When a brother or sister is sleeping, all you do is just go to him and say, wake up, buddy, you're, you're missing, you're missing what God is speaking to you. That means you love the person. But when you snigger and you look down at him and you laugh at him, so basically the devil is saying, ha ha, he's with me now. He's laughing also along with me. You get the difference? You don't do that. That's why I tell you, don't make fun of people. Stop making fun of people. Don't mock people when they can't speak right or when their English is bad or, or, or whatever. The pronunciation is bad or whatever. You guys, don't do that. That also shows you have low self-esteem. There are hindrances. We all have them. We all have them. We all have little bitty things that we, we, you know, we struggle with every day, every day, every day. But I tell you, don't do that. You have to, you have to encourage each other. This is a world where we need each other. The body, the eye, the hand, the ear, the mouth, the, everything is connected. We are the body. We need each other. There's no time. There's no time to play. There's no time to make mock each other. There's no time. There's only time to encourage. There's no time. There isn't any time left. Every teacher, every preacher tells us this. You know, everyone. You know, I, I, I admire, even though, you know, my husband, I admire him. You know, there are times I come home and I'll say, honestly, when I examine my heart, I want to talk about something. A person in the church or something, and I'll say, and I'll be discussing it with him. And I'm checking my heart, okay? And I'm waiting to hear my husband say, ha, there's no hope. He's a gone case. He never says it. He never, ever, the years I've married him, the years I've known him, the years, he never said that. He would always say to me, and now it's even better. Now it's like, there's always hope. Because they're under the anointing and we are alert, he said. Always, always encourage that person. When they're down in the pit is when they need us. Always says that to me. Always says that to me. When they're down in the pit is when you need to reach out. He says, what do you think we were? Were we not down in the pit? Why do you think we went to God? Because we needed him. Why do you think? Why do you think? Like last week, I was saying something to him. We were talking about something. And he said, Daran said to me, and he said, you know, honey, Think about, think about this person. And I said, I said, I always think about Eric because he's like my, my sweetheart. I love him. So I always think about it. And I said, you know, I think about Eric and how. He said, but what did you do? I said, pray. How many times a day you pray for me? I said, the Lord told me seven times. And I literally used to go down on my knees when we had that LTD book. We used to pray. We used to have all night prayer and stuff. And my husband said, why did you stop? Why only Eric? Why not everybody else? You mean to say the Lord didn't tell you to pray for everybody else sometimes a day? Oh, I said, God, he says you don't pray enough. He says you don't pray enough. And then 
I was trying to justify, of course, and he said, slow to speak, quick to listen, listen to what you said just now. So don't tell me the Lord did tell you to pray for everybody else seven times. He said, yes, there was a plan for Eric, but he says, you need to pray more. And he says, once I, he says, once you as the pastor's wife starts praying more, people will come and they will be encouraged to pray. He said, you need to encourage them to pray. But you start first in your closet. Pray more, pray more, pray more. You don't pray enough. And I always thought I prayed enough. And he says, up to this day, he'll tell me you don't pray enough. Because when you pray, I know you're praying more than ever. He says, because I know I hear clearly. So I covet your prayers as a wife. I covet your prayers. But the thing is that I always think that I think I've done enough. But you've never done enough when it comes to praying and working with God. Never. It's never. As Pastor Vijay, he, he hungers and thirsts for God's word. I see my husband like constantly reading, 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 whatever, whatever. And I say, my God, don't your eyes hurt. He said, my neck hurts from sitting and, you know, constantly reading at, at, at the laptop. But he says, it never stopped me from, from learning. It never stopped me from hearing from God. It never stopped me. And he encourages me at home to pray more, to read more. So my thing is, if we can encourage each other, how much more effective can we be in the kingdom? Right? We can. We can. We can. We can be. But we choose not to. And I asked myself, I said, Lord, do I think I love you enough? Like, if I loved you enough, I would do more. I would do more. I wouldn't be tired. I wouldn't complain. But I don't think I love you enough. I ask myself that. I really do. I ask myself constantly, Lord, do I love you enough? Do I love you enough? Do I have a burden for unsaved loved ones, for my children here? Do I have enough of a burden? I, 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 do I say I have a burden? And it'll come. You know, sometimes there, there, there are days you have a real strong burden, and then there are days you die. And then there's no burden again. And then you say, what happened? Where's it gone? Why is it dead? And the Lord says, because you're not fighting. It's warfare. Fight it. Spiritual warfare. Pray more. Pray more. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. So I, I always think that, and then I ask myself, oh yeah, that's true. I never prayed enough yesterday. And I spent all day running around getting stuff done. But I didn't pray enough. You know? So I say to you, we can do this. We can fight this. We can endure. We will be able to do this. We will help each other fight this good fight. We will. We will. And even if you get offended at what I say or what, or what a brother says or a sister says or what pastor says or what anybody tells you, you know, that's okay. Get offended and move on. Get offended and move on. There's no time to stay offended. There's no time. I tell my children, you have two choices. Either you get mad and you stay mad or you get up and move on. That's it. You have two choices. I don't give you a third choice. There's no in between. You want to get mad? You stay mad. Tomorrow morning, you let me know if you're still mad. And then you can continue to stay mad. That's how I tell my kids. And if you choose to move on, then let's move on and forget yesterday. Let's move on today. It's up to you. The choice is yours. If you continue to stay mad and live in the past, you be it becomes a stronghold. And the enemy will have you steal your destiny from you and you will continue constantly think about that. That one little offense, that one little thing, and it'll become a strong, and it'll become a strong, and you become bitter, and you become angry. Then you can't pray. Then your prayers are not being effective. Then you can't study. Then you can't perform at work. Then you can't perform anywhere. It's ridiculous. It becomes ridiculous because that's what he's a stealer of our destiny. He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But we have choices. We have choices. And choices, when we make wrong choices, they have consequences. Sin has consequences. But the Lord says, come to the cross, ask for mercy, ask for forgiveness, ask for cleansing. Like he said about Peter, right? He fell again and again and again. I'm not saying that's something for you to sin and sin again. I'm not giving you some kind of a uh, stamp saying, okay, sin again, sin again. I'm saying, no, get to the besetting sin. But I'm saying at the same time, if you fall, 
Go back to the cross. If you fall again, go back to the cross. If you fall again, go back to the cross. Till you get it right. Till you get it right. Let's encourage each other. Like when, when I see many of you say, Auntie, there's nothing to do. Can we, we're bored. Can we watch a movie? Why can't it be? Let me read a book. Let me read the Bible. Let me spend a half hour in prayer. Why can't it be? Why? Why can't it be? Think about this. Think, just think for a minute. Endure, are we, are we? Yeah, okay. The writer is telling us if we want to endure, we need to lay aside subtle weights and the sin that constantly nags at us. Endurance involves running the race. Note the last part of the verse. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God knows the Christian life is not easy. It will never get easy no matter how long you live. There is never a gliding time. It's always a battle. You will deal with the world, flesh and the devil until you die. Satan is not going to say, well, he is 62 now and retired, so I'll give him a break too. No way. Satan never operates that way. The enemy has an incredible endurance record. I am not trying to be discouraging. I'm trying to be realistic. Endurance requires something that doesn't come easily. We have to stand for something and against something. But running the race involves laying aside purposely weights that bog us down and sin that defeats us and then running with endurance. Let's look at the race together. The stadiums in Rome were built a lot like our stadiums. Sporting events had a significant role in Roman life. Racing in the arenas was one of their favorite sports. The people we read about in the book of Hebrews understood the race analogy. They understood that sometimes we run in adverse conditions. But when the going gets rough, and it will, we don't run away. We can't be quitters. The longer we push the limits, the stronger our faith becomes. We become ready for greater service and expanded ministry. We become strong, stalwart, and steadfast. Hallelujah. It's the same principle that applies to exercise. The more we work out, the stronger our muscles become. The more we run, the greater our endurance level. A woman noticed a friend was hobbling along. She asked what the problem was, and her friend sheepishly answered, I am trying to lose weight through exercise. And my personal trainer is killing me. We have a personal trainer who wants us fit for the race but will not kill us in the meantime. He knows our individual race, race track. He knows which pace we need to take. He knows what goal he has set for us. And he knows what weights or sin gets us off track. He knows what tires us out. It's your unique race, but not so personal that you aren't surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I am ready to endure patiently all things that my Lord would do to me. Ugolino of Montegiro, whatever. Verse 2 tells us the entire motivation for the endurance. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. The one who endured the cross lives in you, so that you can endure, your, if you can endure yours. If you stumble, he is there to pick you up. Thank you, Jesus. Just as he lifted Peter when he took his eyes off Jesus and sank into the water. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Peter's key is your key. Fix your eyes on Jesus. If your trail gets really narrow or the bridge is out, don't turn around. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Do you want to endure? Listen to the tongs encouraging you. Make sure you're in a church where there are present day clouds of witnesses to cheer you on. Do you want to endure? Lay aside everything that slows you down in your race. Put aside the debilitating sin that gets you off course. That's so true. Do you want to endure? Then run your particular race inside your particular track. Don't look back. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Have as your goal to write in your journal what the apostle wrote. I have fought this good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge who will give to me on that day. Don't quit. Endure. <laughs> How many of us today honestly can say, you want to quit? 
Don't raise your hands. I don't want to know. I mean, I'm just saying, honestly, examine your heart. I can't do this. I, I just need to quit my job, my school, my peers. I like the past. When I was in the past, I never had these kind of issues. We're like the Israelites. We talk about Egypt, right? We go back. I'm telling you, when you go back and you talk about pleasures in the past, believe me, it's dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous when you talk about all the fun you had and the crazy things you do, the crazy things you did. Never go back to your past like that. That's going back to your flesh, your fleshly desires. Your flesh is so strong as you get older. So true. I remember Pastor saying one time, when older women or men get saved when they're older, like through salvation, like turn, repent, it's very difficult for them because your flesh is so strong. And it's very hard to quit old habits. Like they say, you know, in English, old habits die hard. It's very true. Very true. If you don't have, and as you get older, and if you're not honest about your struggles, as you as you're older and what you struggle with you know you'll always have issues about your flesh you'll always want you'll always go back you'll always like reminisce and go down as we say memory lane it's very dangerous very dangerous and you'll say things like but you know what i didn't have this but you know what i didn't you know at least when i had when i had a job and i earned x amount of dollars or x amount of rupees or whatever i had it all i had it all You'll go back. You'll go back. Now that you're younger, some of you must be saying, oh, but you know, when I'm in my mother's house, I don't have to read. I don't have to write. I don't have to study. I don't. I can sleep when I want. I can wake up when I want. I can, I can do what I want. I'm spoiled. I can run and go back. And I can sneak and go and meet this guy. And I can sneak and go and meet this girl. And I can sneak and pay attention. Pay attention. Don't get distracted. I can do this. I can do that. I can. I can. I can. I can. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. You forget to pray when you go home. You wake up at 11. You wake up at 12. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there are days that you want to. You want to stay and sleep. And I, there's, there ain't nothing wrong with sleeping in. But how long will you do that? How long will you do that? If you go to bed at 4, of course you're going to sleep at 11. You don't have a job. You have nobody to account, nobody to hold you accountable for your hours or your time. Of course, you're going to sleep. Because I don't. I know one thing. I, I noticed about John Manoel. No matter what time he goes to sleep, he wakes up at seven, seven thirty-eight. Like, and I said, my God, this kid's already up. And he said, I always wake up early. I always wake up early. I was like, okay, that's good, whatever. But I, I, you know, there are some people that no matter what time they sleep, they wake up early. Pastors like that. He sets his alarm and he's up. You know. And, and honestly speaking, I have a tough time waking up at five in the morning or six in the morning. I hate morning flights. Being honest with you, I hate morning flights. I hate waking up at five because I have like a set pattern. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to study. I, 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 I just don't like it. I have like the set pattern. As an older woman, it's hard. It's hard. So I'm like, so you'll always say, we're booking our flights. I'm booking you for 10 o'clock, so you don't, you know, is that enough time for you to wake up and do what you gotta do? And, and, and I say, yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. 10 o'clock is good, then I'm planning calculate, okay, I gotta go to 6, I gotta, I gotta, you know. I can stay up to 1 and 2, pray. And that's what I do at night, because that's my peace time. So I stay, I pray, I read my word, I, I meditate, I, I talk to God. I like that night time. It's been like a habit from the time I've come to India. Because I had nobody. So, at night, all I did was, Pray, read, and then fall asleep. You know, so I fall asleep reading the word. But at the same time, waking up early in the morning is a good thing. Morning by morning, he awakeneth me. Early in the morning will I rise up to seek his face. Now, of course, when summer starts and you all want to sleep in late, that's fine. That's perfect. But when you wake up, do, do wake up and thank God. That you, you know, you woke up this morning with sound mind, body, and soul. Do think about these things. Do endure. Don't quit, endure. I know a woman who goes to the Social Olympics each year. 
She goes for no other reason than to cheer. She sits in the stands and watches the youngsters with disabilities and runs in the races. They get distracted easily. They often get confused as to why, which way to run. They have to concentrate hard on limbs that won't cooperate. But running alongside them are encouragers. That's all they are there for. They run and keep calling out the children's names. They praise the children. They discourage them from looking at the other runners. In fact, they encourage them to keep their eyes fixed on the hugger at the finish line. Someone is there for no other reason than to hug the winner. Hallelujah. We have our God to hug us. They don't win because they beat the other contestants. They win because they finish the race. That's the criterion. But they need to listen to the encouragement from the stands. They need to listen to personal encouragers running with them. And they need to keep their eyes on the hugger at the finish line. In a sense, we are in a very special Olympics. And in a very real sense, we have disabilities. So true. There are encouragers along the way. But we have to focus on the hugger at the end of the line. When you receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior and He set, up, set you on a course, He had it all mapped out. Bumps, quick turns, detours, hills and valleys. He didn't, he didn't just fire the starting pistol and you took off. Hoping to find your way, he brought the Holy Spirit who is called alongside you to indwell in you. You aren't running alone and you don't have to clench your fists so you can endure. Remember the verse we read about Jesus enduring the cross. Suppose, just suppose, in Gethsemane he said, I can't do this, I just can't. That's hard to convince, isn't it? Okay, suppose he lasted through Gethsemane and the trial, but when the nails appeared, he cried, that's it, I quit. There's got to be another way. We know he didn't quit, he endured. The writer in Hebrews declares, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed. He endured the cross. Our race pales in comparison to that. We've not shed blood, but the one who did runs with us. And then, of course, we need to read Hebrews chapter 11 to encourage you, but I told Sammy to print that so you all can read it to encourage you. So can we today actually say, when we read this and read Hebrews, say, we're going to try this summer in the heat to endure I would say, for some of my great shelter children and some of the ones also who can wake up early in the morning, I would say, wake up in the morning, run in the morning, or walk and talk to God. It's a beautiful time to walk and talk to God. Just wake up, run, talk to God. Especially when you guys go home. Think about it. Think about it for a minute. You know? Talk, talk to him. Ask him. Lord, these are my, these are my struggles. This is what I struggle with every day. I struggle. I struggle with anger. I struggle with mocking people. I struggle with low self-esteem. I struggle with my past. I struggle. I struggle with something. I struggle with my father, my mother, whatever. Some of you come from abusive homes. I understand that. But we all, like, like he said, we all have disabilities. We all have something. Something, something. We all have something. But how do you handle it? How do you handle it? Would you be able to endure in the last days? Would you be able to fight this good fight? Would you be able to say, you know what, I can do this. I can do this. I got this. I got this. Like Maddie says, I got this, Grandma. I got this. You know, would you be able to say, I got this. Lord, because I know you're with me. I got this. I will fight this fight. I will run this race. I will finish the course. Because God, you are with me. You are with me. You are here right now with me. You, you are... You know, you know my thoughts before I think it. You know right now when I'm sitting here, am I paying attention? Am I in another world? Am, am I with you right now? Lord, you know it all. You know it. I can't hide. I can hide from man, but I can't hide from you, God. I cannot hide from you. Can you actually say that? Can you actually say, you know what, Lord, I, you know, go on your knees at night or, or whatever. Just lay in your bed at night. Say, Lord, you know what? I'm struggle. I struggled today with lust. Can you say it? I struggled today with just wanting to see a porn movie or a black, whatever, X-rated movie or whatever, 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 whatever you struggle with. I just wanted to run away today and just grab somebody's computer and watch something that I was not supposed to watch. 
or grab somebody's phone and, and just do what I wanted to do. I struggle. Or when I'm in school and nobody is watching me, a boy or a girl gives me a letter or gives me some kind of a love note or whatever, whatever, I struggle to tell the truth what really took place. And you know, we have this habit, being honest with you, we water down our truth. We don't actually tell what really happened. We would choose bits and pieces and bits and pieces. And so we make, try to make sure that we are like, not that bad, but the, you know, like, I mean, at least I didn't do this, but I did that. You understand where I'm coming from? We do that. I remember when I was younger, I had, you know, I had three older brothers. I mean, I was the youngest of six kids. So my brothers used to beat me up. So when my mother came, I would stand at the door and I would tell her, Jeffrey, Carlton, and Francis, they all beat me up. And actually they didn't. My oldest brother was like at work and he was, you know, like, I mean, come on. So my mother would look at me and one, one look and she says, kneel down till you're ready to tell me the truth, then I will listen to you. So, so only she had to look at me. That's it. Kneel down and tell me the truth, what really happened. Then I and don't get up to the right to tell me the truth. But of course, I didn't want to kneel all my life and all, all night. And, you know, I was waiting to have dinner. So, of course, I would right away be, tell her really what, what really happened. And then because I spoke the truth, I'd get a spanking. So, I never got, you know what I'm trying to say? So, I never ever got away with it. You understand where I'm coming from? And, and this is one thing I say that it will help you. You don't have to tell everybody what you really, really struggle with, you just go to God. You just go to God. Because you you, you need to find something that you can really trust. You know? So you just go to God and say, Lord, I'm telling you today, I struggled with this girl in school. And then I had to come home and take a cold shower. You have to tell God that. You have to be honest about what you're going through. You have to be honest. If you're not, you will always have besetting sin. You'll never get rid of it. Am I right, Mr. Vijay? You will always have it. Because you're not coming, you don't want deliverance. In other words, you don't. You just want it for that day. And then the next day you're going back to the same thing. And the next day you go back to the same thing. And it'll go on, and it'll go on, and it'll go on. And, and eventually as you get older, you realize that I struggled with this when I was 10 years old. I'm 50 now. 40 years later, I'm still struggling. So what I say to you is deal with it now. Deal with your issue. Deal with what you're going through. So you can really, really endure. You can fight. And I'll say one thing. None of you can actually say that there's nobody there to talk to you about something. None of you. Because you always have somebody to call on. Thank God we're a small church. We have our pastors who are always there to help us. We always do. Some of you call pastor, some of you call me, some of you call Pastor Vijay, some of you call... But you do. We have to, we have each other to talk to. We have each other to encourage. No. We do. We have each other. We cannot... That's something we cannot complain that we don't have each other. That there's nobody there in my corner to understand me. We can't say that. We're a small church. Thank God. Thank God, in a way. But we do. So, I would say, make a conscious effort today third month of the year as they say they're in Lent people that celebrate Lent whatever however fine at the same time next next month is Resurrection Sunday the church soon completes we finish eight years we're on the ninth year or ninth no ninth year we, we we're on tenth year LTD completes ten years we're on the eleventh year I would say Make a conscious effort. Because none of you can say, I don't need God. None of you can say that. None of you can say, uh, I, I, you know, I did this so long and it was okay. None of you can ever, ever say that you did it for two months or three months and it didn't work. Some, you know, I'll just do, you know, it's not working. This, this, this Christian thing is not working with me. This life is not working. Honestly speaking, it will work if you work it, if you read, if you meditate on the word, if you study to show thyself approved unto God, if you, if you do it, if you constantly, like you study your, your, for your exams, study the word daily. Even if you spend 15 minutes in the word. I remember at Grace Shelter it was mandatory. 
Everybody had to open their Bible and they would be falling asleep like this. Because they would be so tired. I remember that. It was mandatory. But it was pointless. I said, it's pointless because I felt I was forcing you to do something and you're not, not even into it. So I said, why? Stop it. Let it come from your heart. So I gave you that opportunity. Let it come from your heart. Pray from your heart. Speak to God from your heart. Then we started having Bible studies. Now, we, then we share testimonies with you. Then we watch, let you watch. So it, it, you're always being encouraged. Even in, a, not only Grace Home, but every one of us, we're always being encouraged with something. We always have a word. In season and out of season, we are being fed. We can never say that we're starved. We can never say that. But we starve ourselves when we don't meditate and when we don't pray. We go through that dryness. And that's something that you have to make an effort to say, you know what, I want to do this. I will fight this good fight. I will run the race. I will endure. And on that day, I will hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into his name, into my rest. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you. We thank you. Father, as we heard today, we all have disabilities. We all have frailties. We all have weaknesses. But we have a Savior that says, Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Place my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I pray today, Father, that every one of us, from our pastor to the members of the congregation, all of us will encourage each other, will share each other's burdens, will learn to cast our cares. I pray that our church will be called the praying church, that we will pray in season and out of season, that we will, be, we will spend time with you, Teach us, Lord, teach us to pray without ceasing. Teach us to watch and pray. Teach us to pray in tongues. Teach us to pray in the Spirit more than ever. Teach us, my God. Help us to hunger and thirst for your righteousness. For it's only found in you, my God. Help us, help us. Prepare our hands for war and our feet to run as swift as a deer. Prepare us, Father. Prepare us for this last days, my God. I pray, Lord, that you touch every child, every young adult, every married man, every brother, every sister. Touch today, Father. Touch. Touch our minds. Touch our hearts. Revive us again. Rejuvenate us again. Fan back the flames, my God. Where we, Lord, we just want to be called your servant, your best friend. Thank you. Teach us to make you our best friend. You said, Lord, cast all your cares, for I careth for you. Come to me and lay your burdens at the altar. Lay it at my feet. Is anything too difficult for thee? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Pray as these children have finished exams, some of them still studying, some of them, oh Lord, Enduring, some of them studying so hard, more than they ever read the Word of God. I pray today, Father, that they will start meditating on the Word too. They will hunger and thirst. They will want to eat the Word constantly. As David said, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against thee. Touch every child here today. Touch them. Touch them, my God. Revive the heart, my God. Rejuvenate us, my God, and help us, my God, to run this race, my God. Help us, help us never to quit, my God. There are no quitters in your kingdom, my God. Help us to encourage one another, to pray one for another, to share each other's burdens, my God. Help us, my God, to weep when they weep, to rejoice when they rejoice, my God, to mourn when they mourn, my God. Help us, help us, help us, my God. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you for our pastors. Thank you, Father, for them. We bless them in your name, my God. Speak to them. Prepare them. Oh, Lord, in season and out of season, my God. Pastor James has meetings back to back, my God. I pray, Jesus, 
You speak to him as he meditates, as he studies. Be with him, guide him, protect him. Be with Pastor Vijay. Touch him. I speak healing into his body. Pastor Eric, Pastor Reuben, Pastor Mahmoud, and all the pastors studying right now, my God. Pray, Jesus, that you touch them. Touch them. Speak to them. Anoint them afresh, my God. We thank you for the servants of God you sent in our lives. We thank you for them, my God. I pray, Father, they will endure. They will persevere, O Lord. They will, my God. I pray for the spirit of humility to rest on them, my God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Humble yourself in the eyes of the Lord, and I will exalt you. We thank you, Father. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.